0: Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 is where we're going to be reading from today. It'll be the scripture verse that we're looking at. Here is what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. The word of the Lord, amen? This is a really awesome passage of scripture that we get to look at together on family Sunday. It's family service and we're here worshiping together as a family so here's what I want you to do real quick if you're with your family let's take a deep breath turn to your family you know Leah and I sometimes we get so busy we forget to do this and I'll ask her did I tell you today that I love you would you take a moment and turn to your family if you're here with them don't turn to a stranger that could be weird if you're with your family let your let your family hey did I tell you today I love you let them know that you love them okay It's good to be together to love on one another as the body of Christ and the love that we have for one another as we'll look at this passage today the love that we have for each other as a family but also as the body of Christ as as the family of God the love that we have is because God first loved us right it's because God first loved us we're not capable of loving properly on our own without having received from God the love that he has uh, for us. We know this because because you know, it's an incredible thing whenever we can get our family together in one place like church without it ending in complete disaster. It's a miracle when we can go out to eat and we're not pulling our hair out by the end of the meal or whatever it might be, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you're here with your family, it's, it's nothing shy of a miracle. And if you think about it, our world is constantly trying to separate us and isolate us from one another, isn't it? It's constantly trying to separate us and isolate us from one another. And I think I know why. You know, we see this in Scripture a lot. Uh, We see how Scripture reveals the way that we are as people. And we can read in, in, in passages like Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, which talks about how as we approach the end times, Jesus talks about this. It says that the love of many will grow cold that the love of many will grow cold. And so I've noticed this trend of our love towards each other, in our families, in our church. I'm pretty sure you've noticed this as well, that this trend of, of separating and isolating ourselves from each other, our love is growing cold towards each other. Sometimes, if we're honest, right? In this world that is constantly trying uh, to separate us. And I, I, my heart goes out to parents, It really does, of this generation and the young people uh, in this generation, because it seems like every time I hop on social media, that there is a a new uh, person or influencer who is trying to mock their parents and mock their parents' faith. To give you like an example of this, I don't know if you've heard of TikTok, I'm sure you've heard of TikTok, but there is an influencer on TikTok, his name is Abraham Piper, sounds familiar because his dad is John Piper and Abraham Piper's goal is to help young people on social media deconstruct and walk away from their faith how heartbreaking is that and we see this trend of young people being separated and isolated from their parents and their love growing cold towards their parents, and vice versa, and their love growing cold towards God. And it's not surprising to me, because this is the tactic that the enemy used from the very beginning of time. I talked to Pastor Tim about this this week. By the way, if you see Pastor Tim out there today, yesterday was his birthday. Just want to let you know that. So yeah, give it up for Pastor Tim. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) But I was talking...
0: Uh, I was talking to him this past week, but this is the tactic that the enemy used to try and separate Adam and Eve from God in the garden, right? We see this happening. Remember the first words, or the words that, that the serpent said to Eve when he got her isolated? Do you remember what, what he said to her? Did God really say doubt, mistrust, separation, this fear of having to look out for ourselves, and all of a sudden, this love toward God and toward each other is introduced and our love grows cold. Did you know that the antidote to division in our families, in our church, in our relationships, did you know the antidote to division is love? Like no, like no brainer, right? Like I know it's like, oh, I love, like I love my family. But you forgot to tell your spouse or your kids this morning that you love them because we just take it for granted, just like we take God's love for us for granted, don't we at times? But the antidote to division is love, not blind love, but gracious, ridiculous amounts of love, like too much love. You know, the love that God showed towards us when we read in Ephesians that he lavishes his grace upon us, like he gives us more than we could ever possibly use up in our life. That we should have that same love toward one another as parents to our kids, as kids to our parents, as the body of Christ. That we should have a ridiculous amount of love toward one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And actually, this is the greatest commandment for us as believers, isn't it? We hear Jesus talk about this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40 where he gives the greatest commandment. It is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes on to say, and the second is like it. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting because this is actually Jesus quoting from the passage we read about at the beginning. He is quoting from the Shema. Shema. It's called the Shema, and he's quoting because this was the equivalent of like the Lord's prayer for the, for the Israelites. They prayed this twice a day, just as we have the Lord's prayer, this was a prayer that was familiar to them. It's called the Shema. The, the Shema was recited twice a day, and it begins with the command to do what we as parents know kids do best, listen. Listen that's what Shema means. It means hear. It means listen. It starts off by saying, hear, O Israel. Listen. Listen up. The Shema gets its name from the first word of these verses, which means to listen. To listen. And so for the Israelites, there was no distinction, though. And parents, you'll get a chuckle out of this, and we will too. There was no distinction between listening and doing. There was no separation between those two things. There was no distinction between listening and action, doing what it is that we're told to do. There have been plenty of conversations as I found myself in where I'm talking to somebody and halfway through the conversation, all of a sudden my mind starts to wander and I get to the end of the conversation and I think, wait, 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 can you say that to me one more time? So if that's happened to you and I in conversation, I'm asking for you to love me as we're talking about today for your forgiveness, but I know that you have done the same thing. And for those of us parents here with kids, there's been plenty of times where we've asked our kids to do things time after time after time after time, and they hear us, but they're not listening. They're not listening to us as they should. I think this is just true of us as people. We have a hard time listening. And in this passage, those listening are expected to live in light of what they're hearing, That every week as you come to church, when Pastor Tim preaches or when someone else preaches, that you're not just gaining knowledge, but that you're actually putting into action what it is that you're hearing. That actually proves that you're listening, that you're being transformed by the Word of God. We love the idea of the Bible being applied to everybody else's life but our own, don't we? We want other people to live according to God's Word, but when it comes to us, we don't like to listen. We don't like to allow the Bible to be applied to us. And I think sometimes we get stuck at this place where we have really big heads, but really little hands. Meaning we know a lot, but we don't do a lot with what we know. We want to have proportionate heads to hands, you know what I mean? We want, to, we want to know God's word in a way that it actually transforms the way that we live our lives. That is what it means to listen We must learn to become better listeners by tying what we hear to our actions. We should listen for God's words, transformational power in our lives, not simply to build our knowledge. And if you haven't listened to the point where you have been changed, you need to listen more closely. You need to listen more closely. And so first, this Shema starts off with, Hear, O Israel, saying, Listen, what is it that we're listening to? We're listening to the next part of the verse which says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one, where we're talking now about loyalty. So, first, we're told to listen, but we're listening for what it is that we're being commanded to do or to understand that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which is a remarkable statement. It's actually an incredible statement because not only is it saying that God is one God or there is only one God, but if we believe, if we're listening, If we believe that to be true, it means that we are like the Israelites to worship him with undivided hearts, with undivided. If there is only one God, which is what this verse is saying, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, we are to worship him with undivided hearts. You know, Israel was surrounded by nations who worshiped many gods, but they're being commanded here to worship the one true God with undivided loyalty. We are to be loyal in our worship to our God. John Calvin correctly said that our hearts are idol-making factories, aren't they? Constantly churning out things to worship other than God. So we must listen closely to this statement when it says that the Lord our God, the Lord is one because it's calling us to live with undivided loyalty to our God. And what motivates that loyalty? Nothing other than love, love. It says you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. So after calling us to attention and making this bold claim that there is only one God, we are commanded to love God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And this is the greatest commandment for a believer. It is to love God. So I want to ask you this morning, do you love God? Do you love God? Do you love God the way that this passage is challenging you to love God? We look at it and we want to break it down into its parts, right? We hear the heart which is like the seat of emotions. It's the place where we make decisions from. It's the place that, it's, it's the organ of the will, as Carl Wright calls it. We think of the heart, and then we think of the soul, the innermost being of who you are as a person, and then your might with all of your strength. And, and we can try to break it down, but really what we're being encouraged to do in this command to love God is to love God in totality. We love God with all of our life. We love God with our thoughts, with our actions, with our emotions, with every shred of strength that we have. We are commanded to love God. So now, let me ask you again. Do you love God? Do you really love God? What do you do with your life that evidences your love for God? How do you stir your affections for God? So we're commanded to listen Right? We're commanded to listen to worship God with undivided loyalty and to love Him with everything that we got for all of our life. For all of life. It goes on to say, "...in these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise." Living for God should encompass every aspect of your life. Many of us are content with giving God our Sundays, coming to church, and we're content with God having part of our life, but it's only so we can get to heaven. We don't actually want to live for God with all of our lives in every area of our life. But the command is clear here in scripture that we are to love God with undivided loyalty in every area and every aspect of our life. We are to teach our children. That's our responsibility as parents, that we are the main disciple makers of our homes. We are to teach our children repeatedly. We are to take our faith with us as we head to the grocery store, as we head to work, as we're out and about. We're to bring our faith with us. In conversations in our homes, We should be talking about the things of God. And when we wake up in the morning, God should be the first thing on our mind. And when we go to bed at night, God should be the last thought before we close our eyes. And for many of us, that sounds like a bit too much. I mean, really, does God want all of my life? And it sounds like an impossible task to love God that way. And I would agree only if there is a lack of love for God in our hearts. Because if we knew the great love with which God loved us, we, wouldn't, we couldn't help but love him back with everything we have. So here's what I find so remarkable about this passage. Maybe you're saying that I can't make myself love God more. And I certainly, as Jesus commands, can't make myself love my neighbor more. I can hardly make myself love my family more right? I can't make myself feel something that I don't feel. And I would say that you're right, because you can't give something you don't have. That is why God gives us his love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. So this morning, I ask you, how many of you want to love God more? How many of you want to love God more? That's the spirit of God working in your life, Working in your life, giving you a desire that is unnatural to your flesh to love God more. And if you feel a lack of love for God in your heart and for others, let's ask Him to show us how to love, how to love Him and how to love others. Amen. Let's pray, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you for the great love with which you've loved us by sending your Son. To make a way for us. And Lord, the only reason we love is because you loved us. So God, I pray today we would listen. Lord, that we would recognize that we need to worship you with undivided loyalty. God, with all that we have for all of our life. Lord, I ask that you would make that possible for us to love you more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.